During the solitude of the morning drive, Chris didn't have to wear his typical attitude of optimism. He had 30 minutes to sort through matters of concern, the mounting medical bills, his constant worry that his darling little girl had a death sentence hanging over her, and his frustration that Alicia and he were still desperately trying to find Caitlin a kidney donor. Welcome to the Godwink Christmas Podcast with stories from Squire Rushnell. This limited series podcast is brought to you by Godwink Brands. Visit godwinks.com for more information. Now here's the Godwink guy, Squire Rushnell. It was after 8 a.m. on a mid-September morning, just a few days into the new school year. Substitute teacher Cindy Santos slid behind the wheel of her car and began the 10-minute drive from her home in Blandon in central Pennsylvania to Richmond Elementary School. Cindy likes subbing. The scheduling flexibility fit the needs of her busy household with her husband, Matt, and her three boys, aged 13 to 18. She also enjoyed the variety of going from class to class, from school to school. Driving familiar back roads flanked by picturesque farmlands, she considered that today her first assignment of the year would be both a treat and a challenge. Overseeing a class of cute kindergartners ought to be fun. Then she had second thoughts. It was an unusually large class, 27 kids. This may be pretty tough, she thought with a sigh. Many of those children, unaccustomed to school, will still be missing their moms and dads. Cindy said a prayer. I'm relying on you for guidance today, God. As it turned out, it would be the only time in the entire school year that Cindy would oversee a kindergarten class. Yet, it would be her most amazingly auspicious school day ever. Elsewhere in central Pennsylvania, Chris and Alicia Ernst's household was bustling with morning activity. Their older daughter, 11-year-old Kayla, caught her bus to middle school around 8 o'clock. With the help of 8-year-old Cameron, Alicia was readying 5-year-old Caitlin for the 845 bus to Richland Elementary School. Ever since Caitlin had gotten sick, Cameron had relished the role of big sister. Every day, she watched out for Caitlin all the way to school and all the way home. Alicia, who had given birth to her fourth child a year earlier, a little boy, Noah, had a definite routine as she dressed Caitlin. She carefully folded the 12-inch tube into a horseshoe shape, bandaged it to Caitlin's tummy, secured the open end of the tube with tape, and hid it under her child's top. It was through that tube that Caitlin received dialysis for her kidney failure 10 hours every night from 8 p.m. until 6 a.m. The only interruption would be if the machine acted up during the night and Alicia had to get up, clean it, and reactivate it. Such an occurrence would extend Caitlin's treatment into the morning for she needed to complete the required 10 hours of dialysis each day. 
Alicia's husband, Chris, allowed himself a half hour for his drive to work, arriving at the bank by 9 a.m. The daily commute was a sanctuary for him, one of the few times during the day when he was totally alone. At home, he was dad, husband, breadwinner, and Mr. Steady Hand. He's my rock, Alicia is fond of saying. I'm a wreck, but he's the strong one. But during the solitude of the morning drive, Chris didn't have to wear his typical attitude of optimism. He had 30 minutes to sort through matters of concern, the mounting medical bills, his constant worry that his darling little girl had a death sentence hanging over her, and his frustration that Alicia and he were still desperately trying to find Caitlin a kidney donor. Alone in the car, Chris could cry out to God, even rail at him, when he saw other children who had started treatment at the same time Caitlin did, but were already being healed of kidney failure, or when he learned that people who had answered his Facebook plea for a kidney donor for his daughter later confided that they had contacted the hospital and never heard back. Shouldn't they have more people answering the phone? He asked Alicia. Lately, his faith was beginning to fade. From behind the steering wheel, he shouted, Where are you in all of this, God? Before walking into the classroom at Richmond School, Cindy Santos had a short chat with the school nurse, Doreen, a friend who told her that one little girl in her class would need special attention. There she was. Petite, auburn-haired Caitlin Ernst with alluring and sleepy brown eyes. She is so cute. Who could not love that child, thought Cindy, feeling an instant compassion for the little girl. According to the nurse, Caitlin had been awaiting a kidney transplant for many months and was on dialysis 10 hours a day and took 12 daily medications. Cindy found herself drawn to the little girl, who was quieter than the others. The day with the kindergartners came and went. The next morning, Cindy was off to another classroom and another school. Another 20 or 25 young faces that she couldn't possibly get to remember or even know. Yet, despite her hectic life of a substitute teacher, there was something peaceful about the occasional moments when the image of sweet little Caitlin floated through her mind. Ten days later, a godwink happened. Cindy was scrolling through the Facebook page of a friend when an image labeled Caitlin's Kidney Journey popped up in the right-hand column. Was that a divinely aligned godwink? I wonder if this is the same Caitlin, thought Cindy, clicking the icon. There she was, the same little girl with those remarkably engaging brown eyes, and in this picture, a slight smile. Cindy read with interest the heartfelt notes of well-wishers, all hoping that Caitlin would soon find a kidney donor. Her parents had written about the difficulty of locating a perfect match. Everyone in Caitlin's family and many family friends had been scratched off the list of possible donors. Cindy read the initial requirements. Compatible blood type, A or O. Good health, age between 18 and 70. 
Hmm, I could be a fit, thought Cindy. She saw a telephone number to call for more information. She stared at it a moment and then promptly logged off Facebook. The following evening, Cindy was still thinking about Caitlin. She decided to tell her husband, Matt, about having met her. They talked about how hard it must be for the parents of a sick child to let go and send their daughter to school, how concerned they must be for her. Cindy admitted to Matt that the little girl had remained on her mind. How would you feel about me calling that number and exploring the matter further, she asked gently. Understanding his wife's curiosity, Matt looked at her compassionately and said, Well, it can't hurt to get more information. The next day, Cindy reached for the phone, dialed the number, and was soon talking with a charming person named Vicki, who was the transplant coordinator at Penn State Children's Hospital in Hershey. Vicki provided extensive details about what was involved and some of the risks. Then she promised to send Cindy a packet of information explaining that if the initial blood test didn't rule her out, she would be asked if she'd be willing to undergo a full day of testing at Penn State's Children's Hospital, an 80-mile drive away. Finally, Vicki cautioned that there was an 80% likelihood that she would not meet the donor requirements. Cindy decided to take one more step forward. Confiding in no one other than her husband and still unsure about becoming a donor, she continued to feel that exploring the matter until she had all the necessary information was the right thing to do. It wasn't long until she received a notice that her day of testing was scheduled for October 25th. The night before her appointment, Cindy drove to Hershey and stayed at a nearby hotel so she could be at the hospital at the crack of dawn. Before going to bed, she wanted to be sure that she was doing what God wanted her to do. So she prayed for protection for her husband and her children, and she prayed for the Ernst family. As she thought about Caitlin, Cindy again felt for the parents. Here she was, taking a bold step of faith, and the Ernst family was being kept in the dark. There was no way for them to know what Cindy was doing because it was against hospital policy to share patient information. Those patients must be so worried for their little girl, thought Cindy, opening her computer. Locating the family's Facebook page, she clicked the message icon and wrote a short paragraph. It said, I wanted to send you a message to introduce myself since tomorrow I am heading to Hershey Med Center for a full day of tests and meetings to possibly become Caitlin's living donor. Alicia and Chris were out shopping when Alicia's phone dinged that she had a message. She clicked the Facebook notifier and whooped out loud and then excitedly read the message to Chris 
It ended. I'm Cindy Santos, and I met Caitlin in school. I was a substitute teacher in her class. Alicia and Chris, though wary of being hopeful, couldn't help themselves. They hugged each other long and hard in the aisle of the store. At the end of her day of testing, Cindy was told the results would take about four weeks to evaluate. The hospital would let her know the outcome at the end of November. Five days after her trip to Hershey, on October 30th, Cindy had another Godwink. She had been reassigned to Richmond Elementary School, not as a teacher this time, but as a teacher's aide in various classes. She smiled inwardly when she saw that one of the classes in which she was scheduled to spend 30 minutes was kindergarten. And one of the four children she would work with was Caitlin Ernst. Wow. As she held up flashcards for her darling little friend, Cindy couldn't help thinking about the Godwinks that were popping up. Of all the kids in this school, here I am sitting with Caitlin, and she has no clue that just days ago I went through massive testing to possibly save her life. She reminded herself that she had not fully come to terms with the what-ifs. What if they decide that I am qualified, that I'm the 20% chance for candidacy? What should I do? Should I say yes? She couldn't help but wonder if the series of Godwinks was God's means of encouraging her. Then, in a moment of sober thought, she asked herself, Am I really following God's plan, or is this my own plan? Cindy's session with Caitlin was suddenly interrupted. Another teacher's aide rushed in and said to Cindy in a low voice that she needed to escort Caitlin to the principal's office right away. Her mother was there to pick her up. In a whispered aside, the teacher excitedly added, They're taking her to Hershey's Children's Hospital. They found a kidney donor for Caitlin. Cindy watched the back of her little friend as she was ushered from the classroom. Well, God... Maybe this is a sign. And maybe you have another way to save this child. Hallelujah! But as Cindy went on to her other classes, she found herself needing to sweep away the pesky question that kept creeping into her consciousness. Am I disappointed that the donor isn't me? Alicia Ernst received a call from Hershey that they had a deceased donor and the kidney was a match, so she and Caitlin could please get to the hospital as soon as possible. Alicia ran to the car and telephoned Chris as she drove to pick up Caitlin at school. He said he'd leave right away and meet them back at the house. Caitlin didn't know what was going on, says Alicia. After all, she was only five. When I picked her up from school... She seemed so frail. She was always exhausted after the dialysis every night. Still, we needed to get her to the hospital as quickly as possible. The medical team and Hershey quickly prepped Caitlin, giving Alicia and Chris a few moments to step into the hall where they could pray. 
Down the hall, they saw a family gathered, crying together. Alicia and Chris could tell that they were grieving a lost child. God, please be with them, prayed Alicia, and with us. When Alicia and Chris returned to the room, they were cautiously hopeful that in just minutes, Caitlin would be given a new kidney, a new lease on life. As nurses were hooking up Caitlin's IV, the phone rang. It was the operating room. The doctor wanted to speak with both parents. I'm sorry, he said. The kidney from the deceased donor was not functioning properly. We cannot do the transplant. Their hopes were dashed yet again. Alicia began to sob, and Chris squeezed his lips together to keep from crying. God has a plan, said Alicia, her voice breaking. I just, I just know he has a plan. We have to keep believing that, counseled Chris. Let's remember that Caitlin's teacher was tested. Maybe she's the one. In his mind, he asked himself, Do I really believe that? It's such a struggle to believe anymore. Cindy felt she needed more information. Late that day, she decided to check Caitlin's kidney journal on Facebook to see if anything was there. Her heart sank. She read that Caitlin had not received the transplant. She felt so sorry that the Ernst family's hopes had once again been raised and then shattered. Suddenly, she felt a little worried. What if I don't qualify to be her donor? How much can that child and her parents bear? Even though Cindy was waiting patiently to receive a call from Vicki, at Penn State Children's Hospital. She was surprised when the phone rang the day after Thanksgiving. Vicki said excitedly, You have been approved to be Caitlin's kidney donor. Cindy felt a rush of emotion. She was glad. She was now in a position to say yes, to save Caitlin's life. But face to face with the decision... She asked herself, Will I? Is this the right thing for my family? Vicky continued speaking about the report. She said that Cindy's day-long testing had turned up something unusual. She had a rare medical disorder called pelvic congestive condition. Oh my, said Cindy. I've had severe stomach pain on occasion, but the pain would subside, so I never bothered to get it checked. Well, said Vicky, the doctors evaluating your case called in a specialist, an OBGYN, to ask if that condition would disqualify you as a donor. They were told that on the contrary, the removal of one of your kidneys would relieve the pressure on the pelvis and thereby forestall certain surgery for you in the future. Wow! Another Godwink, Cindy thought. She was having a hard time counting them all. Do I really need any more Delinely 
aligned nudges before I step out in faith and agree to be Caitlin's donor? Cindy asked herself. Vicky continued, This type of surgery is done on Tuesdays. We can schedule you and Caitlin for December 17th. What do you think? Cindy hesitated. There was a moment of noticeable dead air. Well, do you think that we could try to have it scheduled earlier? Asked Cindy. That way, Caitlin and I could both be home for Christmas. Vicky agreed to try. And Cindy realized that she had just made the commitment. Vicky called back a short while later and asked, Will December 10 do for you? Will, De will December 10 work for you? Yes, said Cindy. With only about two weeks to go before the surgery, Cindy still felt a small disconnect because she hadn't yet met Caitlin's parents. Then, six days before the procedure, Cindy was asked to go to the hospital for pre-admission testing. Caitlin and her parents will be there on the same day for Caitlin's pre-admission, said the administrator, but we don't know what time. A friend of Cindy's volunteered to drive her to the hospital. The friend's mom lived in Hershey, so while Cindy was doing what she had to do, the friend would visit her mom and then swing back to pick up Cindy. Alicia and Chris had also been told that Cindy would be on the hospital premises, but it was not known when. There she is, said Alicia excitedly, recognizing Cindy from her Facebook photos as Chris drove into the hospital parking lot. She's standing right there at the curb. Chris pulled over. The three jumped out of the car, ran towards Cindy, and introduced themselves. The adults shared a group hug. Then, when Cindy got down to her level, Caitlin gave the warmest hug of all. It was during that small chat that yet another Godwink was revealed. They discovered that they had also been divinely aligned geographically. Both families live in Blanton, Pennsylvania, and their homes are within walking distance of each other. Wow. On the evening of December 9th, Cindy's parents stayed overnight with the boys while Matt and Cindy drove to Hershey. They had made reservations at the same hotel Cindy had stayed at for her day of testing. And that was the setting for one more Godwink, a confirmation that God was right there next to them. Because when they walked into their room, Cindy realized it was the very room she had stayed in before. It was still dark when Cindy and Matt arrived at the hospital the next morning. Her prep was scheduled for 6 a.m. They were told that Cindy would go into surgery first and have her kidney removed. As Cindy lay on the hospital gurney, she began to shiver. It was cool in the room, and she was wearing only a hospital gown. But she knew her shaking was not just because she was cold. Her anxiety was peaking. I was so nervous. I had to keep praying, Please, God, give me the strength I need. She tried to sort out her feelings. She hadn't been this nervous even when her boys were born. 
Why am I so scared now, God? She realized that during childbirth, she had been concerned only about herself and her baby. But in this situation, so much more was at stake. She began to think of all the risks that Vicky had been required to tell her as part of the hospital's full disclosure. Those risks were now spelled out in her mind in neon letters. I'm now taking risks with the mother of my children and the wife of my husband. My risks also affect the life of a sweet five-year-old girl and her parents, her sisters, and her brother. Cindy continued to shake. A nurse brought her a warm blanket. Then Cindy thought about the deacons at her church. The pastor had asked the congregation to pray for her as she approached the big day. One deacon had given Cindy a verse from the Bible, Deuteronomy 31.8, and Cindy had memorized it. Lying on the gurney, she began to recite it. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you and will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Soon a peace and comfort washed over her as she stopped shaking. A short while later, she went into surgery to have one of her kidneys removed. Caitlin would follow and receive the gift of life, perhaps more specifically, the gift of a lifetime from a substitute teacher who had been divinely aligned, Godwink by Godwink, into her classroom for one day only. Cindy and Caitlin were both released from the hospital in plenty of time to be home with their families for Christmas. And what a joyous Christmas that was. From that day forward, Cindy Santos has played a large role in Caitlin's kidney journey. The two, as well as Alicia and Chris, can see with great clarity a trail of amazing Godwinks that divinely aligned their paths for that very purpose. Cindy and Caitlin see each other occasionally throughout the year, but there are two dates that they never miss celebrating. Caitlin's birthday, August 20th, and her kidneyversary, December 10th. Everything played out like Cindy was sent from heaven, says Caitlin's mom. She's an angel. No, I'm not, insists Cindy. But I do believe I was put into Caitlin's classroom, not by coincidence, but by divine intervention. We feel exactly the same way, says Alicia. God sent Cindy to us. It makes you appreciate life, adds Chris. This experience has strengthened our faith and brought my wife and me closer together. Caitlin now leads a normal life. She is active, happy, and healthy, and the screensaver on her phone is a darling picture of Cindy and her together. Thanks for listening to the Godwink Christmas Podcast. Do you have a Godwink story to share? Go to shareyourgodwink.com and let us know. Thanks for listening and share this podcast with a friend.
The Godwink Christmas Podcast is produced by Godwink Brands and is available wherever you find your favorite podcasts.